you know Sometimes This life can get rough You get knocked down, but You gotta get up Keep going Hello and welcome to this 261 Fearless Empowerment Talk. Thank you very much for joining us. It's so good to have you here. Now, 261 Fearless, as you might know, is a global network that uses running to unite and empower women. Now, we really believe that education is critical to this. So alongside our internal education programs for coaches and club directors, we host our 261 Empowerment Talks so we can use our global platform to speak to all women. Now, the talks give us an amazing opportunity to speak to some incredible women. We have women who are in roles of leadership and influence from the world of business, sport, health and more. And today's guest is Sophie Power. Now, I've been wanting Sophie to join us as guest for a little while now, so we're delighted that she's joined us. Just to introduce her, Sophie is a Great Britain ultra runner. And she's completed some of the world's most famous ultra races, including the 268 mile spine fusion and the 153 mile spartathlon. Sophie is a mum of three. And I first saw her on my social media feed when a photograph of her went viral. Now, the image is of her breastfeeding her young baby and expressing milk at the same time during a rest stop on the UTMB Ultra. Now, I saw that photograph and it went viral. You may well have seen it too. And Sophie saw the opportunity that the media coverage and the conversations that were sparked by that photograph has used it as one of many stepping stones to try to help women become more active, to empower them to make running and racing more accessible for women and start lines more equal for women. So I'm really looking forward to diving into all of that with her now. So welcome, Sophie. Thanks for having me. It's uh, so we've been wanting to speak to you for a little while, so it's great to have you here. And I just wonder if we can start with that photo. So going back to 2018, it's I think it's a really powerful image. Um, I think it captures to me so much of what it means and what it takes to be a woman, a mother and a runner. And that's my impression of the picture, but I'm just wondering how you felt at that time running in such a, a grueling event with a young baby. Um, well, I mean, when the photo was taken, I mean, I wasn't, it, 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 it's, it's crazy to go back now because I, I can still picture myself in that sports hall. So I'm 50 miles into the UTMB. I've been racing for 16 hours nonstop through the night. Um, I've had no access to a pump. I was exclusively breastfeeding. I My boobs were like watermelons. Um, I was in so much pain. And I was just focused on getting my baby fed, getting as much milk out as possible um, before I could see um, uh, Cormac again, and getting around the course. And, and I just didn't think it was very unusual. Um, because as a mum, we just have to get stuff done. And if we have a goal or we have a career or we have something we have to do and we have our children, then we just get it done. And, and there are barriers to doing it. And it was really difficult to get around that race. But 
you know, UTMB been my goal for years. And I'd lost my first place when I was pregnant with my first son because they wouldn't defer for pregnancy back then. And it taken me four years to get another place and they wouldn't defer again um, to the next year when I would have been kind of much fitter, much healthier, able to, to race it far more comfortably without all that milk um, that needed to be squeezed out behind trees. And it was just my goal. So it was... It was just such a strange thing. So Alexis Berg, who took the photograph, is one of the most famous running photographers in the world. And he's obviously an incredible photographer. And asked my husband if he could take the photo. And my husband was like, no. Um, but he asked me and then we said, well, if this photo gets to the organisers, which it, it probably would, just the organisers, they may change the rule and let women compete when they're fit and healthy rather than have to rush back from pregnancy. Um, because the rule was you could defer for injury and not for pregnancy. And so we agreed for the photo to be taken. And I guess the rest is history. Yeah. So so you went, you were racing much earlier than you wanted to or thought you should, or, or did you not really have any expectations on yourself other than the fact you had to take the place? <laughs> I had zero expectations. Um I mean, uh, my firstborn, it took me three months to even take a running step because I had um, a difficult labour and an episiotomy and really bad kind of pelvic floor issues. Um, so I didn't expect to do anything, but my husband was very much, well, you've got this place, um, you know, kind of we pay for this place and, you know, you'll be on the start line. You may not be able to walk very far. You may be able to do 10 kilometres, but let's have this in the diary Let's take the family out for holiday in Chamonix, which I love. Let's just have that as something for you to get back, to get, stay fit during your pregnancy, to have that reason to get out the door, to get to the gym, to kind of look after your, your physical health, but also for me, my mental health of, of being fit and healthy. Um, and we had no expectations. And it just happened that I had a better labor um, second time around. Um, and I got back running easily six to seven weeks and I, I called a coach up to see if she could help me support me get me to the UTMB start line and um, she did a very good job of, of getting me around the whole course. Amazing and generally you mentioned that's your second son but you've got three children now is that right? Yes yeah. <laughs> I've got a daughter as well. <laughs> how how do you how do you generally manage the I mean it's a one big juggle isn't it but how do you generally manage the, the the those different roles especially I I want to ask because you you run ultras so I imagine your training runs are longer than many other runners <laughs> I think the first thing is to running isn't my job I'm not a pro athlete and I think kind of that makes it quite difficult to prioritize even though it's really important to me for for being myself and staying and I've got my own goals and and, and having that as part of me it's a massive juggle and I think not having expectations on it is important and sometimes life just gets um so much that you can't do what you want to do and I'm never going to be able to except I'm never going to be able to train like um a pro runner I remember um after UTMB um I was on um at an event um with Tom Evans he'd won the CCC um who's kind of possibly kind of the Britain's top ultra runner talking about his training life and having naps and how his diet is a lot better than mine 
um, and how he trains and his life is dedicated to this. And my life is dedicated to my three children and work and money and being a mom and being a friend. And there's more in that. So I think accepting that you're not a pro and you can't, all these ideas of like, you should have this nap and you should do this. Well, it doesn't work, but you can make an awful lot work. And I think for ultras, often people say, you know, you need to be running 70 plus miles a week. Well, you don't, you absolutely don't. Um, I race Spartathlon, which is one of the more difficult ultras, which is 153 miles. And you've got to run a lot of it um, because it's a 36 hour cutoff. And I'd run 37 miles a week on average for the six months before. Um, I think we forget that as mums, our lives are very physical. So there's strength training in picking up my two-year-old because she likes to run towards me and then be pressed into the air. That's strength training. Being on our feet all day is being on our feet all day training. People have to do these super long runs to get used to it. That's our daily life. Um, I hike the school run with my daughter on my back, um, up a hill, down a hill, up a hill, nursery, school drop-offs, everything. Um, so it fits in that way. And um, I'm very lucky to have a treadmill at home um, and and some weights and a gym. So I can do things in the evenings. I can do things at nap time. Um, I'll drop my kids at my, my, my poor son wanted me to watch his hockey match. And I was like, no, I'm going to drop you. I'm actually going to get my run in and I'll I, and I watch it at the second half. Um, so it, it's, it's, a, it's a juggle. But I think when you take a blank piece of paper and you're like, how can I get training in? enough training in and it's about being enough rather than the optimal because as soon as you have a child the optimal is never or you even work as well as being a runner the optimal is never going to happen yeah 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 I, I love that and and so important that you mention all those ways that you're being active and training just in your everyday life and it's so easy to discount those things isn't it like you say with the lifting up your kids and the walking to school etc and that, and that's where I think kind of um they say, oh, these are training plans and they're designed for, I think the ones in the magazines are designed for men that have desk jobs and they can control when they run and they can control their time and except we can't, but knowing that there are all lots of things we can do, the buggy runs, and I'm not a great fan of buggy running because running is my time. But on a Friday, I have my daughter all day um, and we have to go to gymnastics and it's two and a half miles away and I can put her in the buggy and we can run there, run back. And that's a, a five mile can easy run done for me so it's the juggle is real I think the more we can share how we juggle what we do um all the tips and tricks of each other um the more we're all able to find kind of ways ways to do things but it, it's also prioritizing and and saying and asking for help um and saying this is my how am I going to get this time in and and my husband was away last weekend and um three kids going to sports classes and I was just like mentally I'm gonna need an hour to go for a run um but my friend's daughter was able to look after my daughter while the boys were at sports class and I got my 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 run in and and I think this year certainly I've been much better at just asking for help and going this is what I need how am I going to get it um and and that's really starting to work yeah so important but it does take effort it does take <laughs> take yeah effort to prioritize yourself and and not feel guilty about it as well I mean I the, the guilt thing is I mean, dads don't have this guilt why do mums have this guilt and and I flipped it for myself and I feel guilty when I don't run I feel guilty when I don't exercise because 
I'm a better person when I do. I'm a better mother when I do. The kids love it. They they throw me my running shoes and they're like, see you later, because dad's going to give them all the snacks. Um, <laughs> but also they know that it's important to me and they share my goals and kind of my running goals are family goals. And and they love racing. They love the medals and they love um, tracking me when I'm on some silly distance race. And it's it's I feel guilty when I'm not doing it because I know that it's it's best for me and what's best for me means it's best for them. Yeah, definitely. And on top of that, all of that that you're doing, you're a, a campaigner and really trying to make the running world a better place for women. Was that something that you were doing anyway before that photograph was taken? Or, I mean, I introduced you saying that was a stepping stone forwards, but um, I may be incorrect in that. Um, no, it really came as about. So when the photo was taken, I was... Um, I just stepped down as being a CEO of a technology company. So completely different, but it was one with a positive social impact. We we clean polluted air. Um, and I realized kind of soon after I mean, juggling two young kids, I went back to work when my son was 10 days old um, and everything had to come. And then the media interest around the photo, everything had to come to a point. And I was like, I can't do a kind of full-time-ish job anymore. Um, and I want to set back to part-time. And this social impact and this ability to drive change from those interviews made me realize that I had this platform to drive positive change for women and so many people messaged me and um told me their stories and I realized that there's so many barriers for women in running there's so many barriers especially for mothers and you know we can campaign to change them so I kind of started on the pregnancy policies um, because I've spoken out words like for UTMB about them and they didn't have it and they still didn't put it in. But all these races started putting pregnancy policies in place. And it was because they just never realized that they were needed um, because it's mostly male race directors that don't think about pregnancy. And I thought, wait, what, what, what more can we do? And they, they assumed that women would ask them for a deferral and they would just say yes. But for women often unless it's explicit that something's allowed, we don't ask for it. We just assume that it's not allowed. Whereas a man will be like, well, can I have a deferral? Cause I just can't be bothered to race and he'll have a, have a go at trying. So I soon started working on pregnancy deferrals and then specifically the London marathon um, didn't have a deferral for good for age and, and campaigned quite strongly publicly for that. And that then got put in place. Um, and now we have kind of Boston's followed suit and, you know, I work on with a lot of marathon directors, but it came from that, what more can I do? And realizing that the barriers for women is, it's not just pregnancy deferrals. That's just a small part of being a woman in a life. There are barriers to us getting on the start line. And we, we get on the start line. We don't have as good as experience as the men because the races aren't designed for us. And then our competition, which is a true female competition, um, separate from the men's, is not held in equal regard you know, kind of our, our finish list is in with the men's. You can't even see our podium. Um, the winner is the men's winner and we're the first female finisher. Um, that is unequal prize money in a lot of these races and unequal categories. So for me, it was what can we do to break these barriers down? And and that's why I, I founded She Races um, and put a, a big survey out to just try and identify all these barriers and hear from over 2,000 women about what they're doing and what they face um, in running, what kind of running, why they run, 
what we want out of running, um, what could be better. Um, and I use that to to formalize a set of guidelines for races. Um, and that's what She Races is, and my, my campaign is now for races to reduce the barriers to entry um, and make it a better place for women to, to race because racing is incredible and it's and it's different from running. It's 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 us having our goals, it's us doing something for ourselves, it's an amazing experience, and, and everyone should get to experience that. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I have to say that when I'd seen the work that She Races was doing and some of the outcomes, I assumed there was a large team, but I hear it's just you. <laughs> Not quite just me. So um, I've had a lot of help from from Anna Harding, who's on the running channel, um, in setting it all up. And we actually, um, I had the survey out there and we were at the Impact Marathon in Mull um, last May where we sat down and thought, we've just got to get this out there. And what does this look like? Um, and I'm not a social media expert kind of I've I've put an Instagram account up after UTMB just so I could tell the story myself and um, and that's been amazing kind of platform to to show change but I mean just putting graphic design together in newsletters I'm absolutely useless Um, and now we've kind of got it to the guidelines are out there I had a great team build the website Um, and now we're at a point where you know we need some funding to get more people on board and get the message out there to all the race directors but it's already had such an incredible impact I think um the the news outlets that covered kind of my UTMB story have all now covered she races and um it's it's quite incredible what's happened in just I think we only launched it less than nine months ago mm. yeah it's amazing and I mean, curious to know when you are approaching organisations with your ideas and your, your opinions, are you are you well received or are you meeting quite a lot of resistance? Are they open to listening? I think races are a business. I think that's what we have to realise. Races are a business and they want more people on their start line. And there aren't as many women on the start line, especially when we go beyond 510k um, as men. So they want to get more women on the start line. Um, but more specifically, most race directors really genuinely want everyone to have a great experience. And almost all race directors I've spoken to have just not realized that their races aren't appealing as well to women as men. Um, one of the, the obvious ones, you look at the the imagery on a website and a lot of websites, they they do the the, 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 the pictures, the, the start line where all the men have pushed their way to the front and it's a certain type of man. And they all look one way and increasingly diversity that imagery. So every runner on that website feels that they belong. So the from the back of the pack to the middle of the pack to everyone in all kind of color, shape, sizes, whatever, should feel that they belong there. And race directors are often appalled at themselves and they change it straight away. Um, things like the details on the website, things like kind of how they're not offering female fit t-shirts if they're offering male fit t-shirts. They don't understand that this is not right. They're not understanding having separate toilet areas, communicating where those toilets are um, and changing facilities and and how they're talking about the race of the women versus the race of the men. So the race directors in almost all of them have been so supportive and and grateful that, you know, we've highlighted these issues and um, thinking through ways for them to get more women on the start line. So um, on the She Races website, sheraces.com, there's a list of the guidelines and some of them obviously apply to the 
super tough long ultras on the safety side, but some of them equally apply to 5Ks. And and what I've got races to do is sign up for a, a really brief um, set of commitments. Um, um, for example, on not tolerating bad behavior in the race and highlighting the need for um, kind of good behavior, lack of harassment. We recently put a post out on Instagram with lots of women you know, we've all got our bad stories of, of male behavior during races, um, being blocked on the trails or the comments that have been called at us. Some of that commitment to you, no tolerance of that, um, having period products available um, and communicated, having female fit t-shirts or even better, no t-shirts and a link to something like Trees Not Tees um, to plant a tree instead. Um, and equal coverage in the results, really simple things, diverse imagery on your website, really simple things that every race organizer could do at almost no cost um and then we've actually put those races on our website and they can label themselves as she races races no cost to them it's just helps women find those races where we know that we're going to feel comfortable and and they've got to talk on their website about how they cater for women and how they've thought about these things and that's that process alone has made a lot of them made make a lot of changes um that are only positive and not just for female runners but for male runners too because we all want that fantastic atmosphere to race in where we all feel that we belong. We all feel equally valued. Really interesting. Really interesting that lots of those things are so simple and free, like you say, but just somebody needs to talk about them and, and raise them and, and ask the questions. Really, yeah, really interesting. Um, and I know that you know our, our founder is Catherine Switzer, um, and she was the only woman running with a bib at the Boston Marathon in 1967. And then when she came back to do an anniversary run 50 years later, uh, 2017, there were approximately 50% women running the Boston Marathon that year. And I'm interested to know what the stats are in ultra running, because you mentioned that the the representation of women reduces as the race distance increases, but what's it like in, in ultra running? So it's different in ultra running. We we've looked at lots of stats because races send us and you've got on one side you've got the UTMB start line which is the the 100 mile event which is the potentially premier um race in ultra running there's a few amazing ones but this is the one that people the big one people go to it's less than 10 percent women um and there's a lot of women that can run UTMB but it's less than 10 percent women um but on the and and, and Ultras on average are around 20%. And it differs by country really interestingly, very low um, in some countries in Europe, much better in um, Australia, New Zealand, um, but better in the US, I think. Um, UK is, is, is increasing, but it's around 20%. So we're looking at all these women that are running the shorter distances and not the long. And then we look at the she races races and a lot of them are getting up to 40%, some even over 50% because they're making these races really accessible. And what I'd love to do is have give women the confidence to take on those, those longer events and look at how do we get more women on the start line. And we can't, I think a lot of she races was thinking about what I can control and what I can't control. And societal expectations of women and the fact that we have the burden of the childcare and we can't train. That's, we need to talk about that, but that's not something in direct control. Like we can check, we can't change that quickly. What we can change is making these races more accessible. So these races with a high participation are, are reaching out to women, are putting that great imagery on the website, are changing their language. Um, because 
for men, you have these marketing races at the biggest, baddest, toughest, like you may die. This is the hardest thing in the world. And that, I mean, that's how the Marathon de Saab, the kind of talks about it. It's like the world's toughest foot race. You have to go three kilometers an hour to finish the Marathon de Saab. That's it, three kilometers an hour. If you reframe that, how many more women are you going to get on the start line? Because we start thinking, well, I can do that. So rather than having it as this is so hard, you won't be able to do that. Reframing is that this is what you need to do to meet the cutoffs, to participate. Um, these are all the things that you may want to think about in your training. This is what kind of kit you need. This is how kind of you can make it work for as, as a woman, because a lot of kit doesn't fit us properly. Um, it's that reframing. So it is a very low percentage. We know there's a great new um, data set out of a trial runner survey done, I think, by um, um, a university in the UK that shows that women are less confident, especially on trail. Um, we don't see ourselves as having enough experience compared to the men. Coming over these kind of barriers, we're going to get more women on the start line and talking about how to do things and, and actively reaching out. I'd love to see that 20% increase. I don't think it's ever going to be 50% in the longer races because until we get men to do 50% of the childcare uh, and we don't have babies anymore, um, that's not going to happen. Um, but I think we can really increase it by just supporting women um, to set big goals um, and then to achieve them. Yeah, I, I saw a quote on your Instagram that said, caring means breaking down barriers for all women, not helping a few to climb over. And I, I loved that. I thought that was that really hit this hit the nail on the head and hit the point well that it is trying to remove the barriers not just lower them a little bit and and uh, like you say give women a, a leg up to get over some of them what do you think in particular in those long distance ultras are the biggest barriers I think there's I mean there's so many I think if you're looking kind of at the biggest barriers it is the the response the family responsibility and the the caring and I think we can't ignore those but thinking about what the races can control um and the kind of looking at the women on the start line and speaking to the women and getting feedback on on women that aren't doing it and what women women that are doing and what they think can be improved um I think it's all the she races guidelines it really is you know putting the imagery out there helping us believe that we can finish it having flexible policies on um, for pregnancy. So we're not worried about when we sign up, we're going to lose our place. Um, kind of often not selling out kind of, we, we, we often don't kind of plan um, as far in advance because we don't know what we can do. So making sure that we can get on those race start lines with, with less um, time and it's not sold out a year in advance. I mean, I'm, I'm now looking at my, my races for this year. I haven't planned properly. Um, and a, a lot of the races I want to do are already sold out. Now I know I can switch childcare and certain things. I'm like, oh, I can't get in. Um, so it's it's all these things, and it's really this open. I mean, these races that have got loads of women on the start line are just really open, and the communication is there, and there's lots of women um, that you can speak to, um, and they they write on their on their website all the details you need to know because I think kind of sixty percent of women are surveyed you know for better logistics details would would really help them get on that start line um and they do because we want to know everything you know my husband signed up for some random cycle race from across the country before he even worked out how he was going to get to the start line or home from the finish line he just signed up whereas I would be 
how am I going to actually sort that out? Oh, I actually don't know the, the transport. Okay, do you know what? This is too much. So there's a lot that can be done, but I don't, it's it's not going to get to 50-50 um, quickly. But we can really, if we can enable every woman that wants to do it, to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then we just take, we just take so much strength from finishing these races, from going after these challenges. We can take so much strength back to our own lives. And that's what, I think makes it so special and why it's so important that we can encourage and support every woman that wants to take on a challenge to do so. And is that is that what's driving you? Because, you know, any change is hard and what you're trying to do, it, it's not straightforward or, or easy. But yeah, what does drive you? Is it that outcome or? I think so. I think it's a genuine, I mean, I think it's it's accelerated since I had a daughter, definitely. Um, Sasha's now she's two and a bit and I think kind of she really having her looking at I want her to kind of have a really equal way to grow up to her brothers and um, I'm a trustee of women in sport um, so the the amazing kind of insight and influence charity who have achieved great change in women in sport and breaking down those barriers and making sure that kind of every woman and girl has um, has equal access to sport and can share in the, the joy of sport and for me it's seeing all these women on start lines and the messages that I get and how just a simple thing like a change in a pregnancy policy has you know really changed how a woman's got back to fitness after having a baby and gone out and done things and is just so much happier and healthier and it's it's small changes that add up and um it's really humble the, the messages I get are really humbling um but I often see it as, as a duty. In fact, you know, I've been given by accident this platform, complete accident. And, you know, it would be wrong for me not to try and use that to help other women. I'm really lucky that I've been supported and I have an amazing family and um, I've been able to go after my goals. I want to make sure that every other woman can do that too. Yeah, good for you. That's amazing. I know that people will be listening to this and thinking, oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's really important. And maybe reflecting back on some of the experiences that they've had in races. I know for a fact I have moaned about not getting um, a female fit T-shirt or even a small T-shirt because they're on left by the time you get there. Um, and also, you know, terrible toilets and no toilet paper in the port But instead of just moaning about it, what, what do you suggest that we can all usefully do to, to help this cause? So we can we can all do so much. I think that's a lot of what she races about and why it's just this kind of little mini team. Um, and we don't need a massive organization because the power is in every woman's hands. And I think putting these guidelines on paper or on a website um, and getting them out there, really making women realize that this is this is not just us asking for something additional. This is what every woman should be entitled to, this equal experience at races. And when we don't have it, we need to go and talk to those races. And I'd love every woman listening to this, you know, if you've signed up to a race, go and check the website, you know, comment on that imagery. Do you think it's really attracting women? Is there anything else they could do? And with that thought in mind that the race director doesn't often realize um, that it's not perfect and, and nothing's perfect, but give them ideas for what they can do. Send them the link to our guidelines. Um, if they ever want to chat, about how they can improve their races. I'm always chatting to race directors and going through a few things and giving ideas and 
Um, then I take those ideas they've had and we share them on our, on our newsletter and on our Instagram. Um, so everyone needs to have the confidence to speak up because we deserve period products on a basis. We deserve that female fit t-shirt. It's not equitable if the men get a t-shirt that fit and we don't. It's the same way if our results aren't celebrated the same way. So really pointing out everything you can to the race director is so important. And I mean, I can't do this on my own. I need an army of women. I need every woman runner to be like, no, that's that's not good enough. And knowing that when you say something that's not good enough, they're going to change the next edition for other women. And um, we had an example at a marathon um, and um, a lady got a really harsh comment saying, you know, if you wanted a T-shirt that fit, you should have run faster. And I mean, first of all, kind of the, the comment was awful. It wouldn't have been made to a man. Um, she should have had a T-shirt that fit for her for whatever. The back of the pack runners should be treated the same. But, you know, we went back to the race director and said, this isn't acceptable. And they didn't realize their volunteers were saying things like this. And now they've got a policy where they're going to brief all their volunteers and their runners about, you know, what constitutes good behavior on a, on, on a race and what you shouldn't be saying and what you should be saying. And um, that's going to make every single runner in that race, which there are thousands, have a better experience next year. So we're not complaining for us. I think that's often quite hard as a woman. Okay, I'm complaining my behalf. We are supporting other women in making things better for everyone. And I think being empowered to do that, and I think the guidelines have helped because people are just sending a link to them and saying, you know, these are some ideas as well. Um, that's really helped women have that confidence to do it because we genuinely, we're paying our entry fee. We deserve an equal experience. And that's not by having exactly the same thing as the men. Um, and equal experiences us having that feeling that we equally valued and that's not happening enough at the moment but if every woman speaks up that will happen fantastic thank you Sophie that's such a call to action such a rallying cry and I'm really you know motivated and inspired that actually we we all have a, a role to play in this and thank you for everything you've already done which is absolutely masses and wish you all the best in in going forwards and please let us know if we can support you in any way oh brilliant thank you so much for having me on thank you great to speak to you thank you see you soon